0: Thank you so much. The word said, while we were yet your enemies, you sent Jesus to die for our sins. He is Messiah. Lord, for a long time I didn't know what that word meant. It's anointed. The one who was prophesied over and over about in the Old Testament, over and over again, you kept... Reaffirming your promise, you would send a Messiah. But Jesus, you are so much more to us than just than just Messiah. You are Messiah, but you are also our friend. You are you are everything. So I thank you as we get ready to open the Word and learn about your birth and learn about things that were spoken about you and things that the other the the other lives that were affected just in that time pray father that you would open our ears open our hearts to understand what it is the spirit is speaking to us we can hear things over and over and over again and never really get it help us to get it lord i thank you and i praise you and in jesus name i pray amen praise god You know, let's take another minute. Let's pray again. but Let's, let's pray for the world. We get, Lord, I feel led. We pray for the world we're living in. Jesus t- said it, so many negative things are being said about it. So It's just dangerous. It's what well, it is. But what Jesus said about it was, lift up your eyes. The field is ripe for harvest. There are many out there who are hungry for you. You are the answer, Lord whether it be physical needs, whether it be mental needs, whatever it is, you can heal and you can set things right. And so we pray that needs be met across the world because the word says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And the word said, taste and see the Lord is good. As long as people give you a fair chance and they stick with it long enough, they will see your goodness. I pray, Father, that you send out your laborers into your harvest. And yes, we are those laborers as well. Give us the words to speak. Give us the proper timing. Give us the place to be. And let signs, wonders, and miracles follow those who believe, as you said in the word. So we pray for the world now. We pray, Father, for a revival like has never been seen. And we pray, Father, the church is inspired to step up and do her part. And we thank you, Lord, and praise you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you all for praying with me. How are y'all doing? Good. Okay. Um, I do have a couple announcements to make before we get. I'm going to announce Vlogitas again. This coming Tuesday, and I'm probably gonna it's probably gonna stretch out two more weeks because I've realized through trial and error that I'm, I'm I go about ten minutes too long every time, so it's like okay, we'll just cut a cut a chapter, so we'll do two chapters each time, and I think there's four chapters in Second Timothy, so it should take us two weeks to get through that, and that'll be Tuesday at six uh, on the Facebook page. So if you're not a part of the Facebook group and you want to be a part of that, please let us know. We'll we'll, we'll get you hooked in, um, and then this Wednesday because usually we do a, uh, a candlelight service for Christmas Eve but this year because Christmas Eve falls on a Thursday we're going to go ahead and merge the candlelight service and the Wednesday night service so we'll do Wednesday night only and it'll give everyone um, Christmas Eve at home with their families and uh, so we'll be doing um, a bunch of music I've prepared and, you know um, with candlelight and we call it Carols and Cookies so we'll have cookies too If cookies is enough incentive to get you here, then we will. You can have two, that's right. And some hot chocolate if you want. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Is there anything else that we need to announce? Uh, Yes, Larry. Uh, Jupiter and Saturn, yeah. So the so the Jupiter and Saturn event, where they come together and light up uh, is going to be tomorrow night, the night after. and I suggest Tammy, tammy said that because of where we are, you have to, you have to if you're going to go see it, you've got to find a place where the horizon on this side is th- there's no trees or anything, otherwise you won't be able to, otherwise the trees will block it. You'll be like, "I was promised something great and just, I, don't, I can't see it. So find yourself a place where there's no trees. Rita. I believe I, bu- I bu- at this way. Well, because the sun sets in the west, so the west side. So where, so wherever you go, in your, in your, if you're looking west, make sure there's no tree line covering you. You just want, you just want ground, and no mountains either. Do we have Do we have any mountains around? Here? Yeah, yeah, wait. I thought you were going to say if there is a mountain, just speak to it and move. It'll move and move out of the way so I can see that. All right. That's just some church humor for y'all. Let's go ahead and turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Thank you, Becky. Appreciate you. I'm reading out of the NLT today, just to let you know. New Living Translation. Because we're going to be reading a lot. I titled it Christmas Reading. So Luke chapter 1, where we'll start. Hopefully, I'll I'll be able to bring out some new things for you to uh, consider as we go through this. You know, I'm sure many of us have heard the Christmas story many times. So, it, it, but there's so much symbolism that God puts into it that it can be. Um, I mean, you, you can learn something new every time you go through it. And I was thinking about how uh, Jesus talking about when he was teaching people things, and he said he he said uh, for those for those people who listen, and this is just a paraphrase, but for those people who are listening. And who know who know the law, who know uh, Scripture? Essentially, he was like when they hear this, it's like taking new, you know new jewels and then old jewels and comparing them together. You know, I thought that was a uh, so so. Anytime you know, we'll try to bring some new things out. You know, um, but really, there's so much symbolism that God put um, everywhere. I mean, there's so much confirmation that it's like. I've come to the point where I'm like, I can't, you can't ever convince me that there's no God, I'm sorry, because I've seen, I've seen so much just in this that no one could have planned this out except for God. Um, go ahead and look at verse 1 with me here. And I'll probably be stopping quite often. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's what we're doing. So, Verse 1, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Talk about the church. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Uh, th- this is a big thing nowadays. People are like, well, you know, pro- prove the Bible to us. Pro- prove this. You know, well, we, do- we-, we don't provide proof. We're not obligated to bri- provide proof. We provide evidence. And uh, you know it makes sense. If God wants people to choose Him, He's not just going to prove Himself. He wants people to choose Him of their own free will. But there's extremely strong evidence, and uh, you know even in courts of law nowadays, they they accept testimony based on evidence presented from two or three witnesses. You know, it's like it, it, these these witnesses agree strongly enough that this that these events happen. We're going to go ahead and take it on good faith that these events happen. So that's essentially what he's saying here. Is he he, he writes as he says, "I want you." to be certain of what you've been taught. So I myself have come up with a detailed report. Luke went all over the place interviewing people that saw these things firsthand. And he also collected reports from, from you know other people that had collected reports. So you have this uh, testimony of, wit- of many witnesses is, is is what he's talking about here. So that you can be certain of what you've been taught. Okay. So verse five says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So it's, it's important to note here that they are they are righteous in God's eyes. In other words, God sees them as blameless. It's not because they're perfect people. It's because... They are living to please God and doing their best not to live in sin. And so God, so in, the, in God's eyes, they're righteous. It's interesting. It's not, it's, he didn't just say they're righteous or man believes they're righteous. He said they're righteous in God's eyes. So this is not only a priest. He's a good priest because there was corruption at that time too. So he, this is a good priest. All right. Verse 7. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive my computer is not wanting to cooperate with me this morning. Okay, so it says they had no children, verse seven, because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving in serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. They, in other words, they rolled dice. Who's going to be? Who's it going to be this week? <laughs> you know, ah, it's Zechariah. Okay. So uh, verse ten says. Uh, wait, did I, I got ahead of myself. Yeah, no, I didn't. So as the, uh, the verse, I'm going to read that again, verse 9. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by law to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Okay, so this is unusual. All of a sudden, there's an angel there. It wasn't common in those days for this kind of thing to happen. Um... And the other thing to to notice, too, is that there were so many priests at that time that it was uncommon for someone to burn it, to to be chosen to go in and burn incense before the Lord more than one time. So this is a big deal. Zechariah is already old. This is probably the only time he's ever done it and probably the only time he ever will. And so the one time he does it, all of a sudden there's an angel standing to the right of the incense altar. Okay, so you can see that God's already setting some some stuff up here. All right, this this is not common to happen. Verse 11, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, again, I'll read it again. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. his son's going to do in the future. Notice that, that it, didn't, it wasn't told to us that Zechariah had been asking God for a, for a child. And the angel says, God's heard your prayer. You're going to have a son. <laughs> Verse 18, this is, this, is now, this is where we get into trouble. This is where Zechariah messes himself up. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, And my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. Okay, now... (laughs) This is interesting, you know. You, the, you've got the the people outside waiting. Okay, he's taking a long time. So, and they were they technically weren't allowed to leave until he came out, and pronounced a blessing, because he's the priest who's burning incense. He's supposed to come out, pronounce a blessing, and then the that that concludes the prayer time, and then they all disperse. And so they're waiting, So he's not coming out. They feel like they can't leave, you know. So now let's go back to Gabriel and Zechariah, you know. So. Gabriel expected Zechariah to believe him right away, didn't he? That's pretty obvious. Why? Well, okay, because Zechariah is a priest, so he knows the Scriptures. He should have remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah. These are his ancestors. They're, they're, they, they spend time poring over the Scriptures to know this stuff. God gave them a son even though they were both very old. He knew the history. He knew the history. So God expects us to act on what we know about him. If you know something about God, he, doesn't, he expects that he doesn't have to tell you that again. Or he might tell you out of grace. I'll say that. I mean, he's told me many things over and over and over again because it's just taken me a long time to get it. But if you know it, he has every right to expect you to act on it. Okay, right? Isn't it interesting that when Zechariah spoke, when he spoke, that revealed his unbelief? And the consequence is that he can't speak for a time. Now, there's something God told me a long time ago that really took to heart. He said, I didn't make man's mouth to speak unbelief, that's not what He made it to do there were times that Jesus would interrupt people when they were speaking in unbelief. Or he'd correct it really quickly. Like, you know, when he was walking on water, the disciples are like, it's a ghost! And he's like, it's I. Why? Cut off that unbelief. Get rid of that, because that cancels faith. Now, in this case, God is doing something special, because John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner for Christ. He's been prophesied about in Malachi. And so... Zechariah is because he speaks out unbelief the consequences that he's going to be able he's not going to be able to speak any more unbelief until the child's born. It's like we're going to stop that right now. And I don't think that it had to do with anything with John actually physically being born but it was a personal lesson to Zechariah. But notice that even a righteous person like a Zechariah, remember he's righteous in God's eyes, remember that. Even he can make mistakes. So can we. But thank God that he gives us more than one chance because Zechariah's silence would not last forever. Now, and we know that if we belong to Jesus, he has made us righteous. Actually, the word says that he has made you the righteousness of God in Christ. God calls you his righteousness. So we live in a way to prove that out, live in a way that honors God. But even if we make mistakes, then God gives us more than one chance, too. Amen. So there's grace for that. All right, look down at uh, verse 21 again, because we want to go back to the people now. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he was unable to speak until the child, (laughs) he's unable to speak, okay? when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. So he can't even pronounce the blessing to dismiss them to go home. You ever wonder, you know, it's like it's, you go to a church service, like, I wonder if the preacher is going to preach really, really long. Well, what if he can't dismiss the service because he's gone mute? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean, okay, so when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Now, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Remember, in those days, it was very important. If you couldn't have children, you were disgraced. So then, I love Elizabeth's reaction. You know, it's how kind God is. Uh, and, And I mean, how many decades has she been hoping, waiting for a child and she never had one? But instead of going, well, it's about time, God. It's how kind, how kind you are. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Now, we've talked about this in the past. No matter how kind and good that we believe God is. He is always more kind and good than we realize. I mean, if I go through a season of my life and I'm like, God is just so good. Even, even then, He is far more good than I know. You know, He is infinite. There's always more of Him. He's unlimited. So, His, his kindness, His goodness... They just go on forever. And I mean, you got, you got his kindness and goodness before you in your future. I know the plans that I have for you, plans for good, not for evil, to give you hope in a future. Plans, that's future tense, good in your future. But then David also said, God's goodness will follow me all the days of my life. So you've got God's goodness before you, and you got good God's goodness behind you. Yeah, there's... Troubles and hardships in the earth, of course. But God's goodness is there to see you through it. Amen. So verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. So here's Gabriel again. We've already seen him in action a little bit. and <laughs> It's like, oh, he made Zechariah mute. So, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, this is a much different reaction. I mean, yeah, there was fear with Zechariah. Now, she's just disturbed, but she's not in fear. And I love how it's said, the way that it words it. She, she wonder, she's thinking, what, what could the angel mean? Not necessarily what he said. Yeah, maybe what he said, but also just, just his presence there. What does this mean? There's an angel here. He's obviously an angel. That's why it's obvious that it's an angel. Whenever, whenever angels show up, the first thing they tell people is, fear not. Why? Because they're scary looking. They're just so, they're awesome. You know, and so fear not. Oh, oh okay. Because it's like, oh, why are you here? You're kind of scary looking. So, but Mary is like, his presence is like, what, what does this mean? You know, I like that. In verse 30, he says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. Remember when he talked about John? He said, John will be great. He said, Jesus will be very great. (laughs) And he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Okay, let's do this. That sets Mary apart from Zechariah. Because where he, a trained priest, responded in disbelief, Mary, a maiden from the lowly region of Galilee, responded in faith. Okay, I'm the Lord's servant. So that means then that when God calls you, and he has called you all, all of us, everybody on the earth has a call, first unto salvation, and then unto whatever God has for you to do. But when God calls you, you can respond in faith no matter who you are, no matter what kind of background or education or past or training you have. It doesn't matter. Zechariah is a priest. I mean, everyone looks up to the priest at that time. Mary is just a a, a teenage girl living in a, a town that no one's, you know, I mean, it's just this dinky little town. Faith is a choice. You always have a choice. Amen. Let's read on. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. So now she's going to go visit Zechariah and Elizabeth, their cousins of hers. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. She's going to prophesy now. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then went back to her own home. I got ahead of myself, but that's okay. This is awesome. So, so Mary prophesied. Now, keep in mind that God always follows the precedence that he has set. It says in the word that he who prophesies speaks exhortation, edification, and comfort unto men. There's not necessarily any revelation of future events with with prophecy. People think when you hear the word prophecy, they think it it has to be telling the future. No. No. Because Mary didn't, you know, there's not a whole lot of revelation here. But she's speaking a lot of comfort and encouragement, isn't she? Now we'll get down and we'll we'll read read on because there's another prophecy here that actually has some revelation. I think there probably is some in, in Mary's, but there's more, more in this one. So look at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. Now we're back to Elizabeth. This is Zechariah's son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Remember, that's the that's the name that Gabriel said, name him John. Okay. Verse 61, what, they exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. <laughs> Zechariah is now declaring the right things, okay? Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, And he began praising God. See, again, now now here, this is the proper response. There's none of this, ah, finally God made it so I could speak again. Took him long enough. No, it's, I praise you, God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. (laughs) Why? Because they were all there. (laughs) And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. They could see the anointing on him. Even the neighbors. (laughs) That's awesome. Verse 67. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David. Just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Remember, Jesus is called the bright morning star. Verse 79. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Okay, John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. So, this is interesting. You know, John follows the call of God on his life. John is from the priestly line. Most people, you, when you think of John the Baptist, we've, seen, we've all seen movies and stuff where John's like this wild man, his hair's all crazy, you know, and he's, and, and he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. I don't really know why people portray him that way. Maybe he looked that way. I don't know. But he was from the priestly line. He could have ignored the call that God put on his life and became a priest instead, he could have had prestige. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> now, back to Zechariah. Zechariah spent the last nine months unable to speak, and as soon as God opens his mouth, he begins praising, and God allows him to prophesy. where once there was unbelief, now we see faith. But that means then that God will use you you. It doesn't matter. I could say, oh, I've done done all these things in my past. Even if God's good enough to forgive me, why would he ever use me? Zechariah was mute for nine months. And not only does God make it so he's able to speak, now now he's prophesying. God will use people. Well, when God forgives, he forgets. I had someone ask me one time, if God can do all things, how is it possible to him to forget? Well, it's possible to him to choose to forget. In other words, he's not going to bring it up to anymore. If, if, I, if I messed up, it doesn't matter how long I messed up, whatever I did, if I ask for forgiveness, the word said God's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1.9. I love that verse because when I mess up, that verse gets me back in the kingdom. But then God's like, I'm choosing to forget. In other words, I will never bring up that up again, what you did. Amen. Let's look at the beginning of chapter 2. I've still got a lot of time. So this is probably going to be a pretty short message. Are you okay with that? Okay. I can go longer if you want. (laughs) I'll just pretend to be mute for a while, and I won't dismiss you. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus, Declared that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Corineus was governor of Syria. All these names I got to pronounce. Verse three: All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And, and uh, by the way, I don't know how I'm pronouncing them right. I'm just doing it. So, just letting you know, sounds good, right? Okay. Verse four: And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah, Ju- Judea. Excuse me, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but again, there it is. They're terrified, right? They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, there's a few things here. First of all, it's significant that they appeared See, because I always wondered, why did they appear to shepherds? These shepherds were outside of Jerusalem. I mean, Bethlehem is really close to Jerusalem. These were—I heard a rabbi teach one time. These were Levitical shepherds. These are the shepherds that were raising the lambs that would be used in the sacrifice at the temple. Okay, so there's some significance there, but there's another thing to point out here. In that, it's like, why are these angels? Why is the? Why are the hosts of heaven, the angels, appearing in the sky to do this at this time? In other words, these shepherds are allowed to see into the courtroom of heaven. The angels are rejoicing. And saying, to God in highest heaven, goodwill toward men." And that's really been on my heart the last few weeks is this idea that God is saying goodwill toward men. In other words, He's not. He has released this. This He is no longer at, at enmity with people. He's no longer. He doesn't. He's not counting them as enemies any longer. And it's because of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus allows people to be cleansed, and then He forgets their sins they become a part of his family. But if it's, if his goodwill is released toward us, that means it's up to us to take advantage of it. If people don't take advantage of God's goodwill that he's released toward us, it won't do us any good. I you know I, I mean I remember Tim one time was telling me about an object lesson he likes to do with the teenagers, the teenagers once in a while. Anything that God says in his word that you can ask him for that you can have. You can exercise your faith and receive it by faith. But he said, try to give me, he said, he says, pretend that you're God, and he gives them a marker. Here, take the marker, and they take the marker. And he says, now pretend that you're God, and you're trying to give me this marker. And whenever they try to hand it to him, he, he, won't, he won't take it. You know, they take his hand, and they put it in, his, they force his hand open, and he, he's trying to hold his hand shut, you know, and they're trying to put the marker in his hand. And then they finally get, wrench his hand open, and they put it in his hand, and he just throws it on the ground. And they put it in his pocket, and he throws it on the ground. But how many times do we do that with God? God's trying to give us something, and we just won't take it. And we do that through disbelief, through unbelief. For whatever reason, I mean, people say, well, I mean, you know, someone might say, well, I need healing for this. But uh, I've seen other people get healed. I believe that God heals people. But maybe this, this just isn't for me. But because his healing has been released toward me, that means I'm going to have to receive it. And if I choose not to believe that I can have it, then I'm not going to get it understand? took me a long time to get this. I was kind of thick up here. Okay. The last thing that I want to point out before we move on here is it says that she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in the manger. Well, now, the more accurate translation is actually swaddled. And a lot of us are familiar with that term. A lot of people use swaddling. It really helps babies. You know, um, but the time that we're reading about swaddling meant something even more than just a help to the child. There were two parts to the swaddling cloths, okay you had the big cloth that would just be wrapped around them and and they you know the, everything's wrapped except for their heads, so they look kind of like a kind of like a mummy you know wrapped wrapped up there well then the other the other cloth is a strip of linen that it would have been embroidered with the family the i mean all, all it it's a <clears throat> Mary would have seen that the emblems of her tribe, the tribe of Judah, were embroidered on this linen strip. And then it would have been wrapped around the baby. And that, that would have, um, it, it's the same, that same band that she would have wrapped around him would have been the same band that was wrapped around Mary and Joseph's hands on their wedding day. See, so they wrap it around their hands. We exchange rings here in America, but they, but they have the cloth. They wrap the cloth around their hands to symbolize their union, their bond. And then that cloth is wrapped around the baby. Okay? It, 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 you, it's done to show anybody who sees the baby that he is a covenant person. It means that he has a family. He has a place where he belongs. And he has an, he has a covenant with God because he's a part of the covenant people. So it would have meant something. It would have been an outward sign to the shepherds to go in there and be like, From the tribe of Judah. That's the kingly tribe. (laughs) And so then understand that that's the that, that we have a better covenant based on better promises, the word tells us. You've said out loud that Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead. God has sealed you to himself. It's an honor. So it's very significant then, and it would have meant something to the shepherds. Verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. <laughs> now, I'm going to stop you one more time. They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. Remember Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven? So the shepherds are like, let's go to the house of bread and see this thing God's told us about. So they go to the house of bread to see the bread of heaven. (laughs) This is awesome. I love it. Okay, I'll wrap it up now. I think I've given you enough to chew on. Get it, bread, chew on. I'm just kidding. Praise God. Well, I don't think there's anything more to say about that, unless anybody has any questions. Yes, no? Maybe so? All right. Hopes, dreams, aspirations? Right, okay, yes, so Ms. Iris. Elizabeth and Mary. So... Elizabeth and Mary. Well, yeah. That well, that because back then it was common to lose a child, and so it was just a it was a just a, a social practice to to seclude yourself or or to not let anybody know just in case there was a miscarriage. So that's why she secluded herself. Yeah, okay, unless there's some other significance I don't know about, but that's. Remember, she was filled with it the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's revealed knowledge. Because, oh. the whole, because the holy, she's filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. Remember? So as soon as she walked in, Mary, the, ba- the baby leapt for joy, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so was... So so the Holy was, Spirit has existed from day one, even though he had not been announced to us. That's correct. Okay. Well, the ta- they, in the Old Testament, they talk about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God would come upon so and so. But see, we have the Spirit not only upon, we have the Holy Spirit within. The Spirit within and upon, whereas in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people at certain times, but now we have the Holy Spirit within. But the Holy Spirit, you go back all the way to uh, Genesis, chapter 1, and the earth was void and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. He was in position. (laughs) Yeah, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is is a person. He is a he. Yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, I, I, I grew up, I was like, oh, oh, he's a person. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, now, now I know that. He's the third member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right. I had a Jewish guy one time that was talking to me, because the, the Jews don't, this is, this is why they tend to reject Jesus as the Messiah, because, he, he, because he, God does not have a son. However, the Old Testament, there's two places in the Old Testament that talk about God having a son, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, Okay, so but they but they miss that because they mostly stick to the first five books. It's in Psalms, um, one and Proverbs. It's either it's either chapter thirty or verse thirty-one. But the 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 man the, the person who wrote the proverb actually says, "Tell me God's name if you know, or tell me His Son's name if you know." So this has been God established this from the beginning. But even in the very begin, I mean, talking to this Jewish guy, he said, "Well, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's just one. There's just." And I'm like, "Okay, well," I said, uh, "What about the word Adonai?" He said, "Yes, it means Lord." I said, "Yeah, but isn't that plural?" He's like, I, "Because the word is Adon, it, Adon means Lord, but Adonai it means Lords." So when God said, let us make man in our image, who's he talking to? He's, he's, it's the Godhead holding counsel. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, we, I mean, our 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 beliefs are well-founded. <laughs> okay. It, there, there was one more thing. No, I think that's it. Is, it, is that good? That, that answered the question? Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to say. So she was filled with the Holy Spirit. That means then that the Holy Spirit revealed that to her, that Mary was indeed pregnant, and not only was she pregnant, but she was pregnant with the Messiah. Yeah, because I've read that a hundred times, that's where I came so. from. Mm-hmm. But I just it, it just jumped out to me. Well, it's common knowledge to us because we know the story, right. but Elizabeth was living it for the first time. i think because paul said in romans ten nine, if you confess out loud that jesus is lord and believe in your heart god's raised him from the dead now keep in mind that then elizabeth was the first person that's recorded to actually call jesus her lord <laughs> okay i think it's time to pray because we could talk about this all day yes larry Yeah, John the Baptist wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. Jesus drank wine. Yeah. It is. Well, keep in mind also that Jesus, though at the Last Supper, told us, "I I won't drink wine again till I drink it new with you in the kingdom." So, even though Jesus drank the whole time he was here on the earth, he hasn't been drinking for the last two thousand years. You know. but yeah that's true there's something about that 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 goes back to the Nazarite vow the nazirite vow in the old testament if people wanted to take a special time to consecrate to god as an offering they wouldn't cut their hair for that prescribed they would choose how long i'm going to abstain from wine i'm not going to eat any grapes i'm not going to touch anything dead and they would they would designate this is how long i'm going to do that and when the time came to be done with that they would shave off the hair that had grown during that period, and they would burn it as an offering to God. So the Nazarite vow is, has something to do with with John, with John's ministry. That's why he, the angel told him he won't drink any any wine. But there is another another side to that too. Uh, that the word said be 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 not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is supposed to take the place of that. So. So John was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. So that's something, there's some correlation there that we can't fully understand. But it is a good point, Larry. Thanks for bringing it up. Larry didn't have a question, he just had an observation, so I feel content that I don't have an answer. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful word, and we thank you that we can understand it, we can apply it that you didn't make this too difficult for us to grasp. But you did make some things harder to track down than others because you want us to seek it out and you want us to chase after you. And we thank you, Father. We thank you so much for everything that Jesus has done for us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you're all dismissed. If you need anything, feel free to seek us out.